Somebody will testify. It'd be really good to help me. I'll see if we can uh, work on that. Don't forget that my passcode is 5252 to get me into what I'm supposed to be discussing tonight. I had it all turned off, and these iPads are kind of like me. It takes a little while to regenerate. and uh, But then in just a few moments, you can turn from an old to a new or a new to an old. I mean, just that quickly. Sister Liz, I was planning on not saying anything, because bless your heart, that's, you've got a wonderful, wonderful attitude, but it just goes to show you, you can't get anything on God. She tried to make me a young pastor, and she knew, God knew better than that, <laughs> so uh, bless her heart, that's, that's wonderful. We are so fortunate to be working with um, Sister Liz and other part-timers and some full-timers, it's just uh, become a great church uh, to us. We've known that over the years that we've come to visit, and who would have figured that we'd be able to be a part of that? And I can't tell you how happy we are uh, to be here. Now we've been uh, well before I uh, review and and uh, go through the fruit of the spirit. I want to remind folks that we are planning a trip to Gatlinburg, um, the April of 30th through May the 2nd. If you have an interest in that, or you know someone that. Uh, needs the therapy of being on this laughter trip, just have them get in touch with us, sign up out there on the table, and we'll be glad to give them some more information. There's a lot more information out there. I won't take time right now to to uh, do that. Also, sign up for our Top Notch Luncheon, which is the uh, 21st. That's a great time to come together, not just to eat, but uh, to have fellowship, and we have a devotional thought there. And, and actually, there are prizes for the first-time comer. So if you haven't been before, be sure and raise your hand and say, this is the first time I've been here. Even if you've been to the Church of God for 40 years, you still get the gift. So i just throwing that out there. And then they draw, and um, sometimes the money will pay for your meal. Just mentioning that, i just throwing that out there. But we have a limit. We can only have 50 people, so the first 50. Uh, it's going to be a rough crowd tonight, sister. I knew why you were praying for sure. Uh, but sign up out there for that, and um, and so we'll we'll move along here. Um, I uh, I have come to love studying about the fruit of the spirit, and and either you're loving it or you I'm going to wear you out on it as well. But the fruit of the spirit is separate and apart from just the uh, the normal activities of the flesh. And probably if I did this in order. Um, I'd, uh, I'd say that there are at least three things that this uh, fruit that's listed or fruits listed in uh, one package um, denotes. And so the first thing I'd like to mention is that they all have the same DNA. It's uh, the same fruit out of the same source, which is the Holy Spirit. So if you have 
um, Christ in you, then you will bear fruit. And uh, number, well, let me, let me go on. I'll wait for number two. But it's all out of the same DNA, the same source, fuels, generates, and manifests itself um, as the work of the Holy Spirit. And, um, and so um, uh, you can study, run references on any of these words, and you'll likely see them that they'll have application in everyday life, but they may not be the fruit of the Spirit. People have faith and not have it a work or a fruit of the Spirit. And you remember there's a gift of faith and there's a fruit of the Spirit, and it's illustrated in several ways. Now, we can feel good about um, the characteristics of suffering, let's say, going back to that, uh, but don't fall into the trap of glorying in your long suffering. Because that will become complaining. You know, it will um, give a little attention to you instead of to God. Uh, the Bible says that, we should, that there should be no glorying in his presence. That no flesh should glory in the presence uh, of God. And, and then the third thing is we don't pick and choose, which um, perhaps you already kind of combined that. But you don't pick and choose which one uh, in this cluster you can have because if you don't make all of them welcome, they'll none feel welcome. I'm just going to throw that out there. This is all the work of the Spirit. And you might say, well, I choose rather love, you know. I, I'm, I'm just a loving person. Well, the fruit of the Spirit, of course, is love, but you don't get to say, but I don't choose joy. Well, I'm not a happy person. I'm not a joyful person. Well, the fruit of the Spirit works through you so that there's love, joy, peace, you know, and then peace seems to be connected with the long-suffering, and under all of this is faith, and every one of these in the cluster are wrapped in love. So all of these things are by faith and uh, are through faith by love that these gifts and, and spiritual fruit that is manifested in us are in operation. So you don't get to choose, pick and choose, you just... Let the Holy Spirit work in your life in a, in a special way. Now, um, I've had doctors say, oh, my, you uh, have a high threshold for pain. You know, and of course, I'm just going to put my shoulders back and say, yes, I am somebody. And if we're not careful, we'll do the same thing with the things we endure in the flesh. Now, stay with me here for a few minutes because uh, that long-suffering um, that we experience, we don't know the duration of it, and we don't know the intensity of it. And isn't that an interesting word? Um, I don't know of a word that tells more about its meaning than just the word long and suffering. So you have some uh, difficulties, adversities that you have to come against, and so those things um, are things that we need to observe tonight. Now, I'm going to, let me shift here. Because my iPad is on the other side, I think I can still do this and you guys not lose me. I'm going to try to go through these verses quickly in long-suffering. And, and then I want to do gentleness, meekness, and goodness as a part of this little cluster. And we're going to save temperance uh, till next week along with our review. And, and maybe give you a sheet so that you can list some false fruit. So if you want to grow something, make sure that you don't grow the false fruit. We want to 
grow the real fruit of the Spirit. Okay, in Ephesians 6 and 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now, wrestling, you see the, um, these words here are going to talk about the struggle. It's going to talk about adversity. You can't have suffering if there's no opposition, no uh, adversity, no pain in it. So he says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So there uh, has to be some opposition. There has to be some element of, um, of pain and adversity in order for us to endure anything. So uh, what uh, can be handled in a short time is grueling when it's faced with the lengthy, drawn-out duration. Some people can handle some things, no problem, in a short period of time. But when long-suffering is required, it's more likely to use some more reserves than you have. And that's why the Holy Spirit is at work uh, in our lives. Okay, um, I, I had a similitude one time. Uh, this lady that we were trying to minister to was going through so much in her life. And she was saying, you know, not only she was past why me, uh, but why now? And why so much? And so on going on. And we were praying over her, several uh, people from the congregation. And I saw a similitude of um, a, uh, a big, huge... Um, hole in the ground and they were digging and digging and digging this hole and and the the Lord spoke to me um, and said shall I not say when it is enough shall I not say when it's enough have you ever tried to tell God it's enough I've handled all I can have if you trust him then you alone are not the one that speaks that but your long suffering comes from the Holy Spirit and he will say, God will say when it's enough. So later on, I believe it was later on, I, I started reading about uh, them building for the Empire State Building. At that time, it was to be the tallest one. And so they were digging in this huge place. It caught my interest. And so they continued to dig, continued to dig. And the architects and the engineers from above were saying to the men down uh, below in the hole, uh, send up some uh, samples, some core samples. Send up the soil samples. And they'd send it up and... And they'd say, keep digging, and they just kept digging. And so uh, after a while, they, um, they uh, sent the message up, we can't dig anymore. We can't send any soil samples. The rock is too hard. And they said, pour the foundation. <laughs> pour the foundation. So what we're doing is building on our lives, our lives on the rock that cannot be chipped away at. It can't be destroyed, so we have to put our faith, our confidence, and our trust in the Lord God Almighty, and he will be the one who delivers us. So let's go through some of these verses right quickly. Matthew 10, 22, and you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, adversity, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. And then in 2 Timothy 2 and 3, therefore, uh, endure, thou endure hardness, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, an element of endurance that involves uh, some battle against um, forces, against uh, organized forces, which God, uh, uh, certainly we know Satan has an organized force against us, and the disciples said, we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. He comes against us, but we're aware of how he works. And then 2 Timothy 2.10 says, therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake. Sometimes the things we suffer it wouldn't matter so much to us uh, if we 
um, were to cave in a little bit or we would give ourselves a benefit of the doubt, but there are other people looking at our lives, and so we need the work of the Holy Spirit in us so that they indeed would have their proper um, discipline and readiness and example to see the Lord work in, in their lives. So I endure all things for the elect's sake, Paul said, that they um, may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. And James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. So we're going to have some temptation to go through. There's no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above that which you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape. So we can and must endure the temptation that comes to us, and we can do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. James 5 and 11 says, Behold, we count them happy, blessed, satisfied, and to be admired, which endure. That's what blessed means, satisfied um, and to be admired. Uh, ye have uh, heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and tender of mercies. So there's a purpose working in all of this. 2 Corinthians 6, 3 through 6, giving no offense in anything. Now you'll see that this is describing the cluster. It's how we're supposed to live among men. This is not a foreign language that's being spoken here. God is telling us how Christians are supposed to live in front of the world. So he says, don't give offense to in anything. I, I just feel like I've got to say that again. Because there are people who say, I don't care what people say. It doesn't matter to me how people feel. It should because it matters to God. Now think about that for a moment. I'm going to live my life the way I want to. It's my business. It's my life. And uh, I remember the plop, uh, the sound of my mother's hand slapping my sister's mouth when she, <laughs> when she tried to address things in a different way like that. And so I'm not going to tell my family that it was Esther. Uh, they, they know her best. They, she's closer to my age, and so they've had chance to, to be with her quite a bit. And so our responsibility as Christians is to be careful that we don't offend. Does that mean we compromise? No. But you don't do something in, in complete defiance knowing that it's going to be offensive. The Bible says you're always going to have offenses in the church. You're always going to have offenses. Well, how does, that, how does that come up? Because we're not the same. We're not the same. We have different preferences, different ideas. We see things differently. And not everybody sees it right like you and me. And so you have to have a little patience with them as they see that. But we're not supposed to be offensive. We're not supposed to live in such a way, a reckless kind of way, that we just don't care what people think. You should care what people think. Your reputation is God's reputation. You are Christ in the world. You are indeed, the, as Paul said, you're the letters that we have been written, letters of authorization, letters of report of our ministry and the kinds of things that we do. He said, but in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of, uh, of God in much patience, in affliction, 
in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, and imprisonments. Woe, I haven't been beaten for the gospel or put in jail yet. In turmoil, tumult, excuse me, I want to put an R in there. I'm raised from South, in South Carolina. In labors, in watchings, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by love unfeigned, just a beyond measure. And then in Colossians 1.10 it says, that ye might work, walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to the glorious power, uh, unto all patience and longsuffering, with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Lord, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and have translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now I know that's hard to just read all those phrases and, uh, and, and have them uh, have meaning to you. But if you look at that list, it's so impactful. It's, it's the very attitude with which we're supposed to approach our lives and our ministry. It, it sets us at a different tone that many people in the church have today. It's not characteristic of a lot of churches to live right here in this verse because we're not walking worthy of the ministry God's called us to. We'd rather take credit than to take grace. We'd rather receive glory than to reflect glory. Amen, Pastor. Just keep right on. Okay. I think I will. And I, I, I read a favorite verse. Um, if you haven't put a favorite verse on, uh, on the Facebook post pastor uh, gave you should do that but here's one none of these things move me Paul says all of the things that I've gone through the times of suffering I've had the beatings the shipwrecks you know and all, all of the uh, social rejection you know people weren't even liking his post what a what a terrible rejection uh, he had gone through but he said none of these things move me neither count I my life anything dear unto myself that I may finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So think about long-suffering. And if you're in a situation you just cannot endure, if you say, Lord, I can't last any longer, I can't endure anymore, I'm at the end of my rope. Anybody ever said that? Somebody said, you need to tie a knot at the end of your rope and then just wait on God. He will deliver you. He will not forsake you. He will not leave you alone. So if you're in a time of suffering, I just want to suggest to you that it might just well be that God is allowing this pressure buildup, this heat increase to recognize, help you to recognize that this work of long-suffering, you can do some short-suffering on your own, but the work of long-suffering is done in the Spirit of God and by faith and trust in Him. Hallelujah. That's where it is. So Christ is our example for all of this. The model the Holy Spirit uses to infuse us with the life of the Spirit is Jesus Christ himself. And he's promised many blessings, many rewards. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, blessed is to be happy, satisfied, content, and to be admired. And so there are some scriptures that remind us of, uh, of this very thing. Now, um, this will be from uh, scriptures on meekness. From Matthew eleven twenty eight, it says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and have laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, 
For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Our example of meekness is Jesus Christ. Matthew 5, 5 said, Blessed then are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Happy, satisfied, and to be admired. Now, 1 Timothy 6, 11 and 12 says, But thou, O man of God, flee these things, follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou also art called, and hath professed a good profession before many witnesses. What is he saying here? We can be involved in the process of um, the Holy Spirit working the gifts and bearing fruit. Of course the Holy Spirit is not going to bear fruit in land that is barren or hard, uh, fallow ground, unwilling to have the fruit. And we talked about that several weeks ago, and if you've endured to the end, you, you might remember uh, how long we've been on this, but that fallow ground has to be broken up, and so we're involved in the process. The Holy Spirit doesn't just, oh, okay, I'm going to be good today. Oh, okay, I'm going to be gentle. You know, I'm going to be meek. No, it doesn't work like that. We yield ourselves to him, and he is in operation in our lives to do what needs to be done. And sometimes you say things you might not have said yourself. And, and furthermore, sometimes you don't say some things that you might have in yourself said. I don't know if I have a, a filter, but if I do, it takes too long to put it on. So sometimes things just fly out of my mouth, and the staff has had the, the benefit or the blight of uh, some of that. But we should recognize that the Holy Spirit isn't going to work against our willings, right? The Holy Spirit is not going to work against our will. We have to yield ourselves, and that's what he says here. We've got to flee some things. We've got to follow after some things. We've got to seek and receive some things. And we're involved in the fight, the good fight of faith that lays hold on eternal life. 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you of the reason of the hope that is within you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse Choose your good conversation, your, not just your good words, but your good relationship as you walk, your, your Christian walk. And then in 2 Timothy 2, 23 through 25, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they only gender strifes, and the servant of the Lord must not strive. Wait a minute. Um, I'm hot-tempered. That's just the way I am. My dad was hot-tempered. I have a short fuse. It's been in my family. The Jones family has a short fuse. So I'm just going to, you know, fly off the handle because that's who I am. We got a problem here, right? Now, a lot of people want to hide these characteristics that are ungodly, not the fruit of the Spirit, by saying this is my... Um, generation this is my uh, this is how it's been passed down to me and I've even heard people and maybe you said that um, that there that the evil has been passed down to the third generation now generational sins I, I, 
maybe I'm getting here in a bad area, but I believe that generational sin stops at the sanguine red blood of Jesus Christ at the cross. And if you're going to believe the verse that says that, uh, you know, our evil goes from to the third generation, then are you going to read the rest of that that says that our goodness goes to a thousand generations? Let's start us a new generation of righteousness so that our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren have nothing but the goodness of God to be at work in them. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be yelling about this. It's not really important. Yes, it is important. So we need to recognize that God wants these things to be in us. And if they're in us and abound, then we'll be seeing the meekness and the gentleness and the goodness of God that is at work within us. Praise the Lord. Um, sanctify, uh, 1 Peter 3, 15 through 6 says, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready to give an answer to every man that asks you of the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse you for your good conversation in Christ Jesus. So we're fighting the good fight of faith. We're involved in this process. We're making a good profession before men, and it does matter. And then in 2 Timothy 2, 23-25, but foolish and unlearned questions. I think I just read that one a minute ago. I jumped over one, and I'll come back. Uh, Galatians 6, 1-4. Now think about this for a minute. Um, Everybody's heard, and we probably said, that, um, that we're judge not that you be not judged, right? We're not supposed to judge each other. So does that mean we look the other way when people we love are doing wrong? I don't believe that's what the Scriptures mean. In fact, I'm pretty sure that the Bible commands us to judge. We're also commanded not to judge, so I'm confused. The Bible says contradictory things. That's not the only contradictory thing the Bible says. You don't have to cover for God, he can cover for himself. There are a lot of contradictory things in the Bible. But if you'll read, you'll find that both of them are true. We are supposed to judge and we're not supposed to judge. So if you're not supposed to judge, what does that mean? That means a judgment to condemnation. We're not supposed to condemn. We're not supposed to condemn other people. But we are supposed to judge the fruit. Fruit bearing is a part of our responsibility as Christians. Now, not sinners. I'm not talking about that. Because uh, God, they're, they're on, on God's end of it all, right? He's the one that's going to judge them at the end. But in this passage of Scripture, it says, Brethren, if a man is overcome by a fault, how are you going to determine somebody's overcome by, overcome by a fault? You judge it. You see it. We're going to look at that in a little bit. Um, about the fruit, the water, I mean the, the good fruit and the bad fruit, the good water and the salt water. It says um, you discern these things, you see them overtaken in a fault. Uh, ye which are spiritual, notice the qualifications here, then restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens. Hey, you can handle a little abuse from someone, can't you? You can handle a little bit of not being treated right, can you? Can't you? And can you handle somebody 
uh, not living up to their responsibilities. Yes, you can. But it's by the Spirit who gives you grace to do that. You don't have to fight. And you're not a wimp if you don't. You're just meek. And meekness is not weakness. Um, if a man, let's see, bear one another's burdens and so, thus fulfill the, the law of Christ. If, if a man thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself, but let every man prove his own work and then shall you have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. So let me see if I can clarify this so that you don't go away from here thinking I'm a heretic. You are supposed to judge, but you're not supposed to judge. So what kind of judgment are you supposed to make? A judgment to restoration. You determine that someone is going down the wrong path, and you restore them and bring them back into the right fold. Now, see, that's plausible, right? That's what the Bible says. Now, what are we going to do about judge not that you be not judged? I think that stands by itself. I mean, stands on, on its own, stands for itself. Judge not, judgment to condemnation, or you're going to be condemned yourself. And you know, so many times we have a great measure of courage to point out other people's faults. I'm just speaking the truth in love, just speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. What about if other people started picking, speaking the truth in love to us? Come on now. Could you handle the same criticism you're giving out? And the Bible says, actually, and maybe we should think about this when we're criticizing other people from leaving their shoe, shoes out, that your shoes might be out too. I know it's getting hot around this area over here in the church, but this is application here. This is application. Illustration, that's all it is. No truth, just an illustration. But if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves criticizing other people from the exact thing, same thing we've heard around the grapevine they're guilty of. That's what gossip will do for you. At least it helps you, you know, keep accurate, inaccurate records of each other. No. But we shouldn't have the courage necessarily to do. And I'm not talking about let's clean this place up. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about some people will go to battle over stuff in church that they themselves could likely be criticized for. And this didn't come from staff meeting. In fact, I didn't even ask permission, Pastor. Sorry you're here and had to hear this. But if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves feeling a sense of authorization to complain and condemn, and that's clearly not what the Bible says we can do. In fact, if you're going to see something that's wrong in someone, the first line of responsibility is the one who sees it. If you see somebody overtaking an offense, and then the responsibility goes further to say, consider yourself, lest you also be tempted to do the very same thing, and then go to them in a spirit of, meekness which has the strength to say the right thing and do the right thing at the right time and restore that person the whole goal is not so that you can look better than someone else the whole goal is for you to restore 
one another. So together we can make it. We can do this if we hang together. If we don't hang together, we're just going to hang. The Bible said be careful about that striving. You know, that beating up on each other lest you be consumed one of another. You're going to be chewing on each other. Be careful. You're going to bite off more than an ear. You're going to bite somebody vitally wounding them, mortally wounding them. And so let's be careful because that's not the fruit of the Spirit. Now, 1 Peter 3, 1 through 4 says, Likewise, ye wives, how did that get in there? Be subject to your own husband. I think I must have copied too much here. Obviously, this doesn't apply. And if we obey not the word, they also may without word, the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold uh, your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be of the outward adorning of plaiting of the hair or the wearing of gold or the putting on of apparel. Don't use those things fashioned after the flesh to win the battle. But let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God, a great price, of great price. Now, I don't think anybody here really feels like that the Bible has written all negative to women and all positive to men. Those are the people who haven't read it. So I'm not even going to find another equalizing verse for husbands. Well, I could say the Bible says, Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. My problem is not Beverly, it's me. I'm not giving myself enough to my wife. So if there are husbands who are feeling a little puffed up, I'd hate for you to you know, not benefit the humility that God requires of that meek and gentle spirit. Oh, maybe we're going to come back to that gentle spirit in a moment. Then in Coloss- uh, excuse me, in Psalm 149.4, the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. And Colossians 3.12-16 says, Put on, therefore, as elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. Notice how these are coupled together, as I mentioned earlier. Forbearing one another, forgiving one another, If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye forgive others for Christ's sake. That's what he's saying, not because they deserve it. Well, he hasn't, or she hasn't, um, they haven't groveled enough yet. You know, they need to, you know, show that they are sorry. You know, really make them sorry. That's not your responsibility here. The Bible says we are to forgive others, forbear them, forgive others even as Christ has forgiven us that's the measure of it have you been forgiven much I have I have well a few things anyway I never really sinned I was really young when I got saved and never did anything wrong since then except then the lie I just told well excuse me that wasn't a lie because I didn't intend to deceive anyone Let me just give you that. Write this down. Tweet it if you'd like to. Somebody else did the other day from the church I I passed, uh, that I pastored before I came here. Um, They quoted me as saying, a lie is an intent to deceive. Okay, just put that into your directory. 
then um, it finishes with, um, above all these things, put on charity, which is a bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your heart, to which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Praise the Lord. So that attitude of meekness is the part of what we're supposed to be committing ourselves to. Meekness is strength under pressure, strength under the control and discipline of the Holy Spirit. And balance uh, is best, uh, balance is another word that best describes meekness. Meekness doesn't brag about it. Humility, I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. So it's not me, but it's my faith in him. Loyalty and love in its proper perspective. That's what meekness is. It's the attitude of heart. The strength to choose who will be covered and what will, or excuse me, what will be covered and what will be displayed. I don't have to display carnality. I don't have to display weaknesses. I can receive the strength from the Holy Spirit to demonstrate um, the strength and power of God's grace and provision. The attitude will determine our altitude. Unto whom much is given shall much be required. Meekness is a, uh, a proper sense of self. Meekness is a proper sense of self. Uh, it's, um, and it's connected with term, uh, uh, temperance. We'll talk about balance with regards to temperance as well. Control over our own spirit. But meekness is control over our spirit as it relates to other people through the power and work of the Holy Spirit. So knowing who we are and who we are not, our roles um, and time in the limelight and our limits. We handle properly our time in the spotlight and our time in the shadow. You don't have to be in the spotlight all the time. You can grow even in a dark place. I'm feeling pretty good about this. A role player. That's what a meek person is. It's a role player. We are not the star. I may have to do that run you were talking about, Pastor, on Sunday. We're not the star. There's only one star. He's the all-star. Praise God. Came from glory to earth so that we might be able to just play on his team. I'm a winner. But not because of who I am, but because of who he is and who he's made me. We know who we are. We're playing our role. We're not a Hall of Famer but we're going to be there for the party. Um, but if, if I can continue with this idea of role player, maybe in basketball, which has been a long time since I played myself, but I, I'm still qualified to criticize. <clears throat> Even though you're not a Hall of Famer, you still have to guard, block shots, rebound. Defense. Um, and dribble. Rebound and shoot. Uh, you've got to play offense and defense. Can't score if you don't shoot. The all-star is not the only one that can shoot. The all-star has to 
path. I, I had that somewhere. I don't, oh, there it was, kind of scribbled to the side. So we got to dribble and pass, play defense. Even role players, people off the bench, people won't remember your name because there's only one all-star. We don't have to have a heritage where people remember us. It's all about him. But if we're playing on his team, we still have to dribble and pass and play defense. I love that illustration. That's really cool. And then the fake fruit of meekness then is false humility and sheepishness. Just going around, well, well, well. I'm not very good. Just walk over me. I'm just a doormat in the house of God. It's not what God's called us for. It isn't. God doesn't expect you to be kicked all around. That's not it. You can stand up, but you stand up for right. You know who you are and who you're not. I'm a role player. He's a star. But I'm still playing on the team. I'm still, I still have to go to practice. Just practice. That means something to some people. It's just practice. Um, you can Google Iverson if you like to know more about that. But um, meekness is the strength to give the appropriate answer of hope in the appropriate time, as we read earlier, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Now, this didn't work out quite like I'd planned because I'd planned to already be through gentleness right now and goodness. We would just do uh, temperance next week. But you'll see that these um, are in a cluster together. They are foundationally undergird by faith and emotionally covered by love. Every one of these things. And I think you can see it begin to take shape. Meekness, gentleness, goodness. Don't strive. You know, fighting it... Um, I really hate to see Christian people um, become so vicious and vindictive and vile in their conversation. I, I don't care what it is you're speaking against. People are judging you more by your attitude than they are your words. So even, as, even if it's against abortion, and folks, we better be. Check the Bible on these issues. It doesn't matter what you're against. If you're against something the Scripture's against, be against it in a right way. Gentleness and goodness, the example of Christ. Meekness, being able to speak the appropriate thing at the appropriate time. So, that means we'll be looking at gentleness and... Um, and goodness and temperance uh, in the following week. And then after that, Brother uh, Dean Osborne is going to be, uh, I think I mentioned that last week to you, he'll be starting a series on Israel. I love Israel, but some of us don't know why we should. The Bible says we should pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We do that here in our services, but it's a great time for us to learn. These are last day things, by the way. Just throw this in here before we stand for prayer. Why don't we stand while I'm saying this? But these are things that right now we are we're in need of. This isn't a political 
question. Israel's not a, you're not, it's not a matter of taking a, a political point of view, it's taking a Bible view of the Israel. And I think we need to take a balanced view of Israel too, since I've got the microphone, I'll just go ahead and say this. It troubles me sometimes to see some Christians who become so committed to Judaism until they change their faith. And, and I love hearing that Jesus was a Jew, but Jesus became a Christian, and he didn't go back. So if that hurts anybody's feelings, please come to me personally before you try to offer your altar, your sacrifice on the altar, and let's get this straightened out. Or if I hear you've got all against me, I may be on the way to talk to you and get it straightened out. That is, in fact, how we're supposed to confront each other, not through somebody else. I wish you'd tell them how mad I am. Uh, no, I think that's your job. But don't go. Don't go until you're not mad anymore. Go after you get convicted at the altar. You bring your sacrifice, your offering there. And that, by the way, is the offering above the tithe. No extra offering will be taken there, Pastor. And then the Bible says, go be restored to that person. The whole goal is for us to be in unity. That, that's the goal because that's how the, the church operates best in unity. So if you want to be in unity, I feel the presence of God right now all over me. If you want to operate in unity... That's where the Bible says, oh, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to gather together in unity. That's how the church does, should do all of its work. So if you're not in unison with what the church is doing, then see if you can disrupt it. Just go ahead and bring division to the church. And, and later on, somebody will say, you're right. And nothing will get done for the cause. And even if you're right and you're wrong, the end result will not give God glory. And God does not bless division. In fact, the Bible says he hates it. Now think about that. Those who sow discord among the brethren, God hates it. If I'd have thought through some of the things I said tonight, I might not have said them. But I didn't, I didn't use that filter you guys have been trying to get. You know, They're ordering one for me. I hope it will fit this mouth. <laughs> so good to be in the presence of God and the presence of his people. That's what you said, Sister Liz. Love the word of God. Love being with his people. Let's close in prayer. Eternal Father, we thank you today for the power of your presence here. And Lord, it is not my word. Of course you know that. And I never want to forget it. It's not my words. It's the words of God that bring us closer together. It's the word of God that gives us reason to celebrate. That's the joy in the camp. Is that the word of God is spoken here. Thank you, Lord, for making this a place where you can meet with us. Thank you, Lord, for making this a place where we can experience your presence in large measure, and grant, Lord, that these things might be known and welcomed among us so that we can do the things that we hear from you that must be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here.